HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Well, welcome to Inside School Food. I'm Laura Stanley, and I've got a great episode for you. Uh, but before we dig in, I have a request. Um, listeners, we, we need to hear from you. We know you're enjoying the show because we can count how many people are listening, uh, which is more and more of you every week. But we can make the show even better if you go to the website and sign up for our newsletter. This is important. Um, we can serve you better if we know what kind of work you're doing in school food or just what brings you to this topic. Uh, this information also helps us to attract advertising support we need if we're going to continue to do this. Um, you know, advertising from companies that are aligned with your values and your goals for the work you do in school food. So please help. Go to www.insideschoolfood.com and click on sign up. Okay, uh, it's the Monday morning before Thanksgiving 2014, the biggest cooking holiday of the year. So to celebrate and maybe whet your appetite, we're devoting this episode to serious cooking and seriously delicious real food at school. Uh, we're being joined today by two graduates of the Culinary Institute of America who left careers in high-end catering and fine dining to run food service in mid-sized districts on the West Coast. Uh, Kent Getson of Wenatchee Public Schools in central Washington State and Cody Williams of Sonoma Valley Unified School District in California are dealing with the same set of issues that dog every SFA these days. Itty-bitty food budgets, picky kids, hungry kids, Regulations, so much regulation. Uh, parents whose own advertising experience of school food in the 1980s and 90s make them a hard sell. But here's what's cool and different about talking to Kent and Cody about what they're doing in schools. Listening to them, um, you actually get really hungry. Their solutions are real food-based, and they look and they sound delicious. They're also grounded in solid business practice, which it turns out 
um, you also learn in culinary school. So maybe you're affiliated with a small or mid-sized self-op that is so financially and logistically challenged by the new regs that the district is considering dropping out of the national school lunch and national school breakfast programs. Maybe your school board is looking to hire a food service management company. Perhaps the board is being advised by a consultant to bring in branded foods like Subway sandwiches and Domino's pizza. Maybe you're on that board. Um, If so, today's episode is for you especially. After you hear it, you may want to add hire a local chef to your list of options. So we're going to start with Kent, as he is today's school food veteran with 16 years at Wenatchee Public Schools under his belt. After station break, we'll visit with Cody, who is only in his second year in Sonoma. So he's still breaking himself in and getting his staff and students used to a new food agenda. So we'll get to hear what that process is like. So good morning, Kent, and welcome to Inside School Food. Good morning. So I'm going to begin to tell uh, a little about you. Uh, Kent Getson is, uh, sorry, Getson is a graduate of the CIA with 35 years experience in food service. Uh, he spent the first half of his career as a restaurant and country club chef before taking on the job as food service director in Wenatchee. And what he's told me is that, is that he actually escaped to f- school food service, which I guess means you're really happy there, Kent. I do enjoy it, and good. it's it's been a good uh been a good position for me. Right, right. So um, tell me about your district. You're in central Washington. What's what's the region like? Uh, we are um, about 7,500 students. We have 13 schools. Um, we are in a um, kind of a high desert kind of area, so mm-hmm. it's, you know, the weather's dry and uh, there's lots of sunshine and, and there's a, it's a river valley, so we're, the Columbia River runs through here. It's, it's very nice. We have a lot very uh, heavy agricultural area here. Right, right. We'll talk about how you've been able to take advantage of that. Um, what's your department like? How many people are working for you? I have uh, about 45 employees uh, that work in the kitchens and then a couple of office staff. Um, yeah. And are you working, are you cooking in each of your kitchens or like what, you know, what's your setup? Okay, we have, um, we have four uh, kitchens that have complete kit, you know, have full kitchens, and they prepare all the food for their population of kids. And then we have um, one of those four kitchens is our central kitchen, which is um, preparing food for our seven elementary schools. Mm-hmm. And then um, we ship that out each day. And then we have um, our high school also feeds um, two smaller schools, our, our alternative high school of about 250 students and then another tiny little um, technical uh, skill center that serves about 10 or 12 students a day. Right, right. And you, you have a pretty high percentage of scratch cook food, just why we're here today. What, you know, can, can yes, you quantify very much that? We, yeah. yeah, we do a lot of scratch cooking. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, I couldn't tell you the percentage, but um, we are adding new scratch items all the time. We have a central bakery that produces um, uh, whole grain scratch products, we probably have about 15 or 20 items that we make regularly and ship out to all of our schools. Uh, we reformulate it all for, for the new regulations with, um, you know, whole grains. Uh, our high school, we have hired a chef at our high school, um, another person who wanted to escape the, um, I guess, the rat race of, of restaurant work. Mm-hmm. And she um, is doing a fantastic job of, um, of doing scratch cooking. Uh, at her school, mm-hmm. 
so we we do a lot of scratch cooking at all of our schools. Probably the least amount, I would say, at our central kitchen where we're shipping out food to the elementary schools, but mm-hmm. um, but we're slowly, gradually adding more and more things there, too. Right, right. Okay. And in, in a little while, I'll ask you about some of the stuff that that's, that's going on at the high school because it's so um, out there and so delicious sounding. But I forgot to ask you, uh, always very important to, to learn, uh, what is your free and reduced rate? It's 60%. Okay. All right. Um, so, hold on. Um when you got so you started sixteen years ago, um, <laughs> did, did you know what you were getting into? You, you know, you came from you, you had been working in a, a country club, right? Yeah, I was eight years at a, a local country club. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I didn't have any idea, right? What I was doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so you told me that you got there and you just assumed you were going to go on doing things as you had at the country club, which you know, same principles, same practices, order really good food. I mean, ha- how did that go down the first year? Oh, I think the the concept was the concept is held held out to be very good. I mean, I basically applied the same principles to the country club as I did here, in just the sense that I we determined a, a quality level that we wanted to maintain, and we we bought at that level, and with the philosophy that um, if we continue to, to to provide a high high quality product, then the people will will, will come will come. Mm-hmm. So they'll. They'll they'll buy the food because they'll they'll learn to trust that we have good quality food and, and they'll enjoy it and they'll we'll just build our customer base that way, and uh, that worked really well. I mean, it's worked that way since the beginning. We haven't changed that philosophy since since I started. Just continue to um, buy the good stuff, and um, people will pick up on it. And that that has worked so well because our sales have increased. I was just looking through some old numbers and. Um, the year before I came, the district did 550,000 school meals, and uh, last year we broke a million school meals. Wow! So I mean yeah. that's 16 years, but you know right. that's been it's a lot of a lot of increase, a lot of increase. So. Right, right, right. And, and you told me when you began, you you really changed things dramatically very quickly. For instance, you introduced what you describe as restaurant quality salad bars from the get go. Um, did did you struggle to get the kids to accept them, and and did you struggle to keep them stocked and to you know pay for keeping them stocked? I mean, how, how did that go at the beginning? Uh, it went went amazingly well. I mean, um, there was a lot of naysayers. Um, it was the first thing I did when I came here. Well, two things I did was school um, uh, salad bars at all the schools, and the other was stop stop shipping hot food. Mm-hmm. And I can explain more about that later. But the, the salad bars were um, just simply, we're going to add salad bars to every school from K through 12. And um, and it worked fantastically. I mean, the kids loved it. And it was a section, you know, a sec- second option for our elementary schools. Um, and it was, uh, it was a great way to introduce fruits and vegetables to kids. And the costs were never a problem. Um, We've always maintained, except for the very first year I was here, mm-hmm. we've always been operating in the black. Right. So, right. Um, that's, I mean, that's an indicator that it can be done. Right, right. And the first year is, is the learning year. You said that you eliminated a la carte your first year, and that turned out to be a bad decision, so now you've reintroduced it? Yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a bad decision. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. eliminate a la carte altogether with the idea of, of kind of forcing kids' hands a little bit mm-hmm. to, to eat our, our food. You know, we look back on it and you wonder if maybe it wasn't a bad idea. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we didn't meet our financial goals 
<clears throat> that first year, but um, but we were also able to do, I guess, what the purpose was, and that was to get kids to eat our to try our food, right? And to see if, and hopefully, maybe we gain some new customers that way. Right, right. So well, let's talk about that that decision you made from the get go to stop shipping hot food. That, that it seems like a small thing, but it's really important. T- tell me why you were doing it, and how did you change it? It was just a, a quality thing. I just I couldn't imagine. Um, shipping hot prepared food and having it sit for several hours at certain schools. I mean, that was basically we start we start shipping food at about 6.45 in the morning mm-hmm. to our seven elementary schools from the central kitchen. And uh, the way they were running, running it previously was they would cook all the food starting at 6 a.m. And, and start loading it into hot carts and then um, put them under the truck and ship them off to the schools. And then they would plug them back in at the uh, receiving site, and they would sit there from 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning until 11 or 12 o'clock in the afternoon uh, for um, yeah. service. Right, right. So I don't it, think I have to describe what kind of quality that produces. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a no-brainer, and yet, it, you know, I guess, I guess the point I want to make is it, 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 some, it might take a chef to recognize that that's a big issue and that might be dragging down your participation. Absolutely. I mean, I think just simply attending to the quality of the food mm-hmm. was probably the biggest um, the biggest turnaround point for us. I, I, I believe that um, when people realize that they, they the food tasted fresh and and quality, that uh, you know we 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 got them back. So right, right, right. So uh, tell me what it was like to introduce uh, these innovations to your staff at first. And and how has it gone since then? Oh, there was there was always a a, a lot of fear and trepidation about it, um, about some of the things that I wanted to do, um, but but I was able to clearly convey uh, a means and a method to the madness, I suppose, um, to the to the people who ran the kitchens and that were responsible for producing the work. And and I held their hand through a lot of it at the beginning. You know, I mean, I was with them and showing them the way would we could make it work and troubleshooting and all those things. So, I mean, I think it wasn't terrible. There mm-hmm. was definitely some times when it was bump, you know, bumpy, and there was like, how can we do this or you know, how are we going to get this off the ground? But really, in general, it went pretty well. Right, right. And in what way is your staff skilled that you know that they weren't 16 years ago? You know, what are they equipped to do? What were they equipped to do? No, I mean, what are they equipped to do now that they couldn't do when you first started there? Well, we have just every year gradually implemented more progressive um, approaches to, to school food. Um, you know, we, we started, I was just looking back through some old notes, and I found the notes on um, int- introducing ultra grain into our, our baking program. Mm-hmm. Um, ultra grain is just a flour, but it's a, it's a whole wheat white kind of vibe flour that has a a more uh, appeal to kids just because it looks a little doesn't look like whole grain it's mm-hmm. milled in such a way and so you know we started developing our bakery recipes in in 2004 and 2005 you know reformulating for whole grains and um, we started implementing that type of thing quite a long time ago so um, they have come along they have come along and you know we've just stayed the course and so mm-hmm. through the course of that they've learned techniques for processing foods and uh, uh, you know 
we've developed different recipes over time, and mm-hmm. so it's become easier for them to um, to accept, you know, something that's going to require them to use a knife or um, combine ingredients or, uh, you know, anything other than open a box. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I just want to point out that uh, when you first told me the story about uh, your search for the ultra grain back in 2004-05, for, for listeners who don't know what that is, that's a specially milled, um, what we call white whole wheat, which is this nutritionally the same as a conventional whole wheat, but there's a lower tannin content, which means that it's whiter in color and less bitter in flavor. So it's very, very popular and, and uh, now widely in use in um, whole wheat breads and other products um, in schools and in the commercial market. But you were really, as a chef, ahead of the curve in um, find, uh, knowing what this stuff was, what it could do, and having the wherewithal to go out and find it for your department. So again, that, that's another example of what a chef can, can bring because of your knowledge about food and how to use it. So kudos to you. Um, Thank you. Let's let's talk some more about your food. I really want to get to that part. Um, you're doing some really amazing stuff in your high school, and especially. Can can we talk about a few of the entrees that you're excited about? Yeah, sure. Um, we probably about five years ago we started doing something that we, uh, I, for lack of a better word, I, I couldn't come up with a great name for it. it it's a deconstructed casserole, basically. Um, I don't know too many kids that dig casseroles, you know, I mean, they, you know, combinations of foods that are all mixed together in a pan and then heated up and served in a, a little pile on a, on a tray. Mm-hmm. That's never appealed to um, the kids that I know, and not even really too many adults, actually. So um, we, took, we took recipes that, that were, you know, generally done as a, in a cafeteria setting as a, as a casserole, and we deconstructed them. And we basically just took the ingredients and we put them into different um, separate hotel pans in our steam table, and then we just build them to order. So, for instance, we would do an Asian bar with um, stir-fried vegetables, which we we just took fresh vegetables and put them on our grill. We had a flat grill. We don't have a wok or anything. So we just flat-grilled the vegetables until they were... um, nice and fresh and tasty, and we'd put them in the steam table, and we'd use our commodity chicken, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the fajita, ch- or the uh, teriyaki chicken, and we'd offer a couple of uh, starch choices, so we'd have some soba noodles and some jasmine rice in two separate pans, and then, um, and then um, a couple of sauces, so we'd make like a teriyaki and a curry, say for instance, a red curry. And when the kids come through, we have a, we have a, a bowl, and the kid says, I'll take um, uh, rice, or I'll take noodles and then then we would offer them what sauce they wanted and do they want chicken and do they want vegetables and basically it provided an opportunity to um, basically build a a hot bowl of fresh food for kids to order um, that looked like something that you'd get at a restaurant yeah and it it really does Um, yeah and the other thing it did is helped ensure that all the all the components were met it was really mm -hmm. easy to um, you know meet the the bread grain meat meat alternate because we're we're building the bowl you know each stage, each step of the way, so it wasn't a mystery. Right, right. And and you told me that you are on the hunt for um, soba noodles that meet the requirements and the new meal pattern, so I wish you luck with that. Yeah, I think there is some now. We, we've Good. just been testing them out last week. So. Yeah, yeah. And I also want to point out to listeners that um, if, if you want to see what it looks like in Kent's uh, in the kitchens in Wenatchee, uh, the, the process of the stir-frying on the flat grill and the food, and, and also there's a lot about... Um, uh, 
how Kent is buying uh, locally grown fresh vegetables. There's this just gorgeous video um, that you produced, and you, you've actually devoted a lot of money out of your marketing budget to, to make this video. Um, and there's a link to that on the Inside School Food um, webpage. So I encourage people to look at it because it's truly mouthwatering and, and a really interesting example of, of um, proactive marketing, honestly. It's, it, made, it made me hungry to watch it, Kent. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know that you know doing what you're doing, it's, it's expensive. Um, and so you've had to introduce some, some um, other programs that help keep your program financially solvent, and they are, they are food-based initiatives. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the stuff you're doing? Like you, you told me about your whole grain cookie program and your catering program. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, we have um, we've been doing catering since, since before I came here. There was a catering program, and um, we have just developed that um, over the years. And it's you know quite a quite a great program. Very busy. Um, my caterer is fantastic, and uh, that's having the right people in the right place is is really great because I can't I can't go out and do it. I can't find the time to go out and do the catering, but um, it's a it's a great uh, extra revenue source for us. We we do meetings and district all kinds of district events and ASB and PTA events and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a great community builder too because they people can use our kitchens and and do fundraisers and things like that, and, and we benefit from it also. So, um, um, when you said the cookie thing, what were you referring to? I'm trying to... You, you told to... me that you are um, selling, you, you actually make cookies uh, oh, yeah. using the ultra grain, and you're selling them as, as far a as ultra, yeah. 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 Yeah, we, as far as a la carte sales go, we, um, we've always sold cookies about, um, gosh, gosh, it's been about 10, 12 years ago now. I bought a $35,000 Italian-made cookie machine, from, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a fantastic piece of hardware that um, really pumps out the cookies. We, just, we do it for using generally simple um, approach, just wire-cut cookies, and um, our cookies have always been very popular, and uh, in, the, in, the, in the change of, of, um, of things in school food service, we've reformulated all of our cookies to be at least 50% uh, whole grain using the ultra-grain flour mm-hmm. and other whole wheat flours, and um, so, and, and reformulated them to reduce fat and things like that. Right, so we've right. just spent a lot of time trying to keep our cookies on the market because the, <laughs> of the feds are making it harder and harder to provide sure. those kind of things. Yeah. But yeah, that's been a great um, tool for us for staying solvent as far as dollars and cents go. Right, right. It's just another example of a, of a real food, house-cooked solution. Um, yeah. And it's it's yeah. nice to hear you've been able to continue it under the new Smart Smacks um, rules. Um, and speaking of rules, uh, you recently got audited, right? Um, and, yeah. And it was complicated because you're not doing a lot of box-to-oven stuff. Talk about what happened. How, how long ago was this audit, by the way? It was last April and May. Yeah. Oh, well. It was actually, it was supposed to be April and May, right? To, right. June. Yeah. <laughs> so how did it go? It was. It was. It was frustrating. Um, you know, uh, when you're when you do a lot of scratch cooking, um, I, I think any director will be able to relate to this. As soon as you um, move beyond a boxed oven approach, then you're talking about the complication of standardized recipes and um, and and all of those things, and, and those are complicated in themselves. But when you have to go and 
prove yourself to um, the state that you're meeting the, the, all of the meal pattern requirements um, that are imposed on us, uh, it becomes even more complicated. And our experience was um, was that our high school was the one that was being um, observed during the um, the review, mm-hmm. and uh, we do a lot. That's our, our biggest scratch cooking facility, and um, so a week's worth of menus. Every day, there's about twelve to fifteen different menu options for kids to select from. Wow! And so, mm-hmm. with that in mind, probably I would say on any given day at least half of those are scratch, so, and probably more like 75%. So, you know, they come in and they, they look at everything and, and they observe what's going on and, and um, you know, they, they look at the piece of paper that the recipe is written on and the yields and all of those things, which makes sense, and those things we're held accountable for. But, um, you know, I, like my role came in at 1.96 ounces of red grain. Uh, four tenths of a of a percent, uh, you know, four one hundredths of a ounce. <laughs> right. Short. Um, when we actually verified our yield, because I was I was certain that we had the correct uh, size roll. Right. But when I verified our yield, there was a, a a clerical issue on the yield, and so when we when we corrected that, the the roll actually came in at two point oh one, but they round down to one point seven five, and mm-hmm. so anyway. Um, the same thing happened with ground beef. I mean, we were, last year I was excited that we started purchasing local ground beef from a, uh, a, a ranch about 60 miles from here. And I spec that product out at 85.15 fat to lean and um, 2.75 ounces will give you what you need. And, and then so the manager uh, wrote the recipe. Um, and in our, in our uh, nutrient analysis software, she put in the 80-20 beef instead, just as a clerical thing. So mm-hmm. it's not the real-life thing. It was the real-life thing is we were serving this particular beef. Right. And uh, when you do the numbers, it comes up 1.95 ounces of meat-meat alternate, which is supposed to be 2.0, which rounds down to 1.75. And so there's another another ding, you know. But the true re- actual mm-hmm. reality was we were serving the correct thing, you know. And right. So, But that didn't matter. It was just what it was, whatever was on the paper. So yeah. that put into motion this whole thing where we had to um, send a whole week's worth of our, our menus from the high school to be nutrient analyzed off-site. Well, that ended up being about, the, when we were done, we were joking about the, the thick stack of papers. It was about the size of a ream oh of paper you put into your copying machine. Right. You know, that's how much we, all the paperwork we had to gather, uh, labels and recipes and all the supporting documentation, production records and everything, and scan and send it off to the state. Right. You know, right. After all of that whole thing, the, the analysis came back great, and um, in the meantime, they turned off our six cent certification, uh-huh. which ended up for two months, which ended up costing me nearly ten thousand dollars. And you don't recoup that. Um, and didn't recoup that. They didn't, wow. There was no, you know, that was that was the cost of doing business, I guess. Right, so. right. Does it does it feel to you like you're being penalized for serving, you know, real food? Oh, most definitely. Well, yeah. if, if it's not penalization, it's definitely, uh, certainly not motivating. It's, right. it's definitely a demotivator. Right. Um, there was a, a lot of times during the end of last school year when I was like, well, the heck with this. I'm just going to we'll just go back to serving stuff in mm-hmm. boxes. Yeah. I can't do it. I mean, I can't do it. We've, we've made so much headway. But, I mean, that's the way you feel when uh, you, you consider the amount of work it takes to do scratch cooking right. and to prove yourself. I mean, it's already enough work to do scratch cooking, but then... Now let's pile on the uh, you know the documentation piece of it and and the 
you know, proving it about all to the state. And no one's patting you on the back for doing farm to school or doing some right. scratch. It's just like you either met the <laughs> requirement or you didn't, which, you know, I get the requirements, but four-tenths of, or four-one-hundredths of an ounce of bread grain or meat-meat alternate is ridiculous, you know. Right. It, it, it is. It is. Um, and thank you so much for sharing that story, Ken. It's a, it's a bit of sure. a downer, but the story of what you're eat, your, your kids are eating there is really exciting. Um, so thank you. Uh, thank you, Kent Getson, who is a Culinary Institute of America graduate and food service director for Wenatchee Public Schools in Washington State. Um, happy Thanksgiving, Kent. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Have a great week. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, Chef Cody Williams of Sonoma Valley Unified School District. He is a newbie compared to Kent, only in his second year on the job. Um, after station break, we'll hear what it's been like for him to hit the ground running or not. Uh, uh, Cody says if you want to take change to take, sometimes you have to take it slow. <laughs> Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. Today, conversations with chefs who lead food service in medium-sized districts. As it happens, both our guests today are alumni of the Culinary Institute of America, where they trained not just to handle food and cook food, but to manage staff and the bottom line. What they did not learn at the CIA are the extraordinarily demanding circumstances unique to K-12 food service. So, you know, this is clearly not a career path for every culinary school graduate, but today's guests have found their calling in professionalizing school kitchens and feeding kids freshly prepared whole food. So I have next on the line Chef Cody Williams. Cody is a Sonoma native who's used to moving in high food circles out there. Uh, Cody opened at Copia in the Napa Valley and has worked with leading Sonoma chefs Elaine Bell, Bruno Tyson, and Cindy Paulson. But last year he opted to make a major career shift when he accepted the job of food service program manager at Sonoma Valley Unified School District. Hi, Cody. Hi, Laura. So we just heard why Kent chose a career in school meal service. Uh, what about you? Um, it's kind of two-part, and it was a very hard decision for me to make, but I, I know I made the right choice. The first part was um, I had just finished paying off my student loans from culinary school, and I was cooking for a lot of the tourism that happens in and around Sonoma and Napa, and I just felt a real disconnect to my local community and to, you know, the the family and friends that I have in and around my family. I missed out on that disconnect, which <clears throat> hospitality kind of pushes you into, you know, working and cooking for other people on the holidays, which I enjoy 
cooking for my family and my friends. Right. So I got that back. I get to pick up my daughter every day from daycare and have weekends off with her. And she's two and a half. My wife is a teacher here in Sonoma. Mm -hmm. And you just can't get that opportunity. I can never get that back, that time right now with Jordan, my daughter, yeah. is just really special. And I'm, I'm so fortunate to have the opportunity that for this job when it did come along, because they don't open up very often. Right. Um, and so, you know, I get to, I get to, um, to reap the benefits of that. Right, and right. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, I failed to ask Kent about that, but I happen to know that he's the father of five and had a similar motivation. He really you know, wanted to be with his family. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Sonoma, I, I think a lot of listeners kind of may roll their eyes when they hear Sonoma and thinking, whoa, you know, Cody's got it really easy. It's Sonoma. But in fact, you've got a pretty high free reduced rate and you're dealing with, you know, the same set of issues that everybody else is. T- tell us what the demographics are, are like in your district. So here in Sonoma Valley, we have five elementary, two junior high, and a high school, an enrollment of 4,300 kids, and we're about 63% free and reduced. And a majority of our students do eat on our meal plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, yeah. the interesting thing was leaving where I was last, cooking at the Boone Fly at the Cronero Sin, mm-hmm. and cooking for Cindy Paulson at Mustards, we would serve five times less covers and meals a day on five times the budget than what I currently have. Yeah. So it's, it's remarkable what we're able to do uh, in school food and feeding the kids with, you know, with what resources we do have available to us. Right, right. I mean, moving from, from that kind of budget you had on your last job <laughs> to this, did it come as kind of a shock? Or did you know you were getting into to this, like, you know, about a dollar uh, per meal for food? You know, it it was. When I, I, I told my mom, hey, mom, you know, I'm, I had this great opportunity with Cindy and her and her company, and I, I opted for the school district job, and she said, you're doing what? And she had all <laughs> that condensation, the connotation that yeah. of the stigma associated with school food, and I'm like, that's why I want that job. Yeah. I want to be able to make a difference, you know. Um, and so... You know, it, it was, I like the challenge. And it's, it's a working program that mm-hmm. I adopted. And a lot of what Kent is, has, has done is great. And a lot of those things were implemented by my predecessor, Donna mm-hmm. Lucy, right. who also had been in this position for 16 years as well. And I just got to adopt her program and not reinvent the wheel, mm-hmm. continue to look at what is working, what the students are eating, um, and just make it better. Yeah, yeah. So you, you told me that not only did you already have salad bars, which Kent did not have, but you have some staff um, working with you who've been there for so long that they remember, you know, 30 years ago when things, when you they were still cooking. So it's, it's a kind of a, you know, coming back to the old days piece that you're able to put into place there. Yeah, you know, well, let me a little bit about Sonoma is we each school site is equipped with a full kitchen um, where when I had started it was it was about you know it was a little more geared towards keeping up with the demand mm-hmm. of the students and meeting the rules and the regs and it was a very challenging time that I think the transition of a lot of districts have been going through right and I had just did a talk uh, at the CSNA conference two weeks ago, 
And I just said, me as a chef coming into this job, like, I started to go through the rules and the regs, and <clears throat> I found myself kind of getting bogged down and, and feeling my creativity being stripped away, which is one of the things that I was worried about. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my mentors who I had conversed with prior to accepting the job, they were like, you know, you just don't, you want, you don't want to lose that because it's really special. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew that I wasn't, but I, I was feeling like, oh my God, this is so overwhelming. There's so many things to, to monitor and to, you know, yeah, to keep in check. And I'm like, that's not, that's, not the reason why they hired me like they all those things they work like clockwork and it's such a great program to to have and so i wanted to see how i could infiltrate the system mm-hmm. here and and create something special so my staff were really timid in the beginning when i did come on board because they they knew me from the reputation of the talk around our community oh my god a chef's coming in we're all screwed basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's going to turn it upside down, you know, he can't pay us more, he's going to work us harder, we're going to have waste, you know. And it was quite the the contrary. I met with my staff, I said, we're following the same meal pattern and menu items that you were doing. Um, And they were like, you're not changing anything? And I'm like, why would I change it? Because it's working, Mm -hmm. right? The Mm -hmm. students are eating. We've got a program where the students are eating the food and it works. So, I'm just going to continue to rotate through our current, um, you know, meals, mm-hmm. um, items, and then I'm just going to make substitutions here and there and, and find out what kids enjoy even more and how we can make those foods better and more nutritious. And if it's a product made in-house, we're going to make it in-house. Right. I'm going to go back and look at all of your records from what we've served and see which, which foods are current and fun and we can source locally and what foods do you guys enjoy cooking? Like what, what do you want to serve to the kids? What have you seen in the past that's worked? Let's focus on that. Let's um, just really build a partnership with your um, experience in schools and mine um, in cooking and let's, let's come together and create our program and it's been a lot of fun. So since day one, they were on board. Yeah. Every school's got a garden. There was there was a disconnect in the beginning. There's to some extent there still is with um, our program with uh, our fresh fruit and vegetables in our schools. We've all got the garden. We've all got the fruit and vegetable bars. They've all kitchen managers are, are making their own orders mm-hmm. for the produce that they purchase, and the kids are eating it. We're, we have a two-acre farm at Altamira, and they're growing all this wonderful, beautiful produce, and it's available to us. And I want to, I want to serve that. Right. It's part of their curriculum for the horticulture program, and it's, it's just really neat. So, I, we, there was the connotation from my staff that, oh my God, we don't have time to prep all that stuff, or how are we going to wash it? How are we going to serve it? You know, we, we just. But I went through it them, with them, and I said. Listen, one piece of equipment, a Roboku, will help you shred, slice, dice these products so it takes away the knife cutting right. and you can get the product in, out there for the kids to enjoy. Right. And they were like, really, you can do that? And I'm like, absolutely. So, and then I was racking my brain how to, how to strategically purchase these $1,000 pieces of equipment. And right. Donna just said, Cody, if you think they're going to use it and they want it, just buy it for them. Yeah, yeah. And that, as a chef, to have that ability to purchase – 
better quality equipment, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a great feeling. And the staff um, love it. You know, right. they can shred their own cheeses. They can shred down zucchinis and slice their bell peppers and onions through that machine, which a lot of the time gets purchased uh, from Coastline mm-hmm. that way. And we pay for that. So cutting it down on our end makes a big difference. Yeah. So I just want to point out that, you know, that, that introducing the RoboCoop was something you knew about as a chef. So, you know, it's, that's just another, another example of, of, you know, what bringing a chef in can, can accomplish. And then I take it a step further, and I actually scare them when we start making an aioli and salad dressings in there, and they're like, oh, my God, that's, that, what is an aioli? And then, then it opens up the dialogue that I, get to, I love, mm-hmm. and that is just teaching them the fundamentals of cooking, and, and, and how and why certain items are called what they are and why and, and how can we serve it in our, in our classroom, you know, in our, uh, in our kitchens and, and make our product better. Right, right, right. And Cody, I want to quickly mention, um, you, you told me that you used a really great tool from the Center for Eco-Literacy. Um, it's called Cooking with California Foods, and it, it, it basically gives you a kind of a matrix for coming up with, um, you know, Food items that are fresh cooked items that are viable and school food service. And you, you told me you were able to kind of manage your your confusion at the beginning by using applying that matrix to introducing some new recipes. Yeah. So it was like on Friday, and I'm like, oh my god, you know, is this is this how can I how can I how can I how can I start these changes right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm I'm kind of lost and. I came across this wonderful resource um, put out by George Ann and Ann Brennan. George Ann Brennan and Ann Evans, uh, who teamed up, who do a lot of promoting around our state for healthy school foods. Mm-hmm. Um, George Ann being a recipient of the James Beard Award and the Julia Child Award for Literacy. She's written every cookbook for William Sonoma. And she's a great resource. And I came across meeting them. I came across this book, and I was like, the, this is something I can use. This is a tool that I, I can work with. And what it had done is what I needed to do in my schools, which was wipe away a lot of the, in our secondary sites, a lot of the 12 items that were primarily heat and serve, mm-hmm. and getting them down in the, they, they do six categories, um, six, five, four, and it's, uh, it's, I go five, I go five, four, and anyways, it goes, uh, five categories with the four seasons. Right. Oh, it's six. So it's six categories. The six, five six categories of dishes. I'm trying to help you here, but I'm trying to remember. So it's six categories of dishes. No, this is, here it goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's six. It's six food categories yeah. with the five flavor fro- profiles uh-huh. and the four seasons. Four seasons. That's right. That's right. It's, it's pretty ingenious. And I, I recommend listeners to take a look at it. I'll put a link to it on the Inside School Food um, oh, yeah. website. And I love it. Yeah. And then c- kind of setting up menus from what, from what I've done in the past, I got to then, okay, great. Like what's selling in our schools? What's most popular? Yeah. Let's focus on those top sellers. Wipe away the items that are 10, 15, 20 items a day yeah. and focus on those fives, which, which saves them time to then go and produce a special, um, an additional item that we can change right. so that, that primarily that I do the five categories here in Sonoma and those five items, burgers, 
sandwiches, wraps, um, our salad bar, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we uh, and pizza. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna take those five categories and I'm gonna make them the best quality product we possibly can with the products that I see that are out there. Mm-hmm. And if if I can't find them, then we'll we'll either go a different direction or we'll look at making them in house. Right. And so. It's been a lot of fun, and this this it was it was a very difficult thing to do because I couldn't do it mid year. I had to wait for the summer, and and I and I cleaned up the I cleaned up the menu. There wasn't really much training needed by my staff because we're still focusing on those items that they served this year. We're just eliminating some of those items that they were just putting out in their cases mm-hmm. to fill uh, you know the retail space. And I said, and then I. Created a eighty, a forty or fifty page recipe book of specials that I actually got to experience last year when I was down there at the high school. I wanted, I, I do really well with listening and hearing what works, but I also want to experience it. So I went down there, and I, I brought the foods with me for cooking specials to make sure that the recipes that we create can function in those kitchens. Mm-hmm. And I, and I cooked with the staff, and I got the experience of learning from them and they could see that I do um, I can cook and I, I, I understand what it what it takes with the challenges that they're up against every day mm-hmm. and I serve them to the students with them uh, during lunch service and what I come to find out is at our high school we do about 350 to 400 meals a day and when we implement the special half of our sales go to that special because the kids like the change yeah great and they like they like knowing that it's a freshly prepared item in house, which kind of opened it up to okay. Well, what else can we push? How else can we make this program better? So I, I typed up a questionnaire. I sent it to the leadership class and got their feedback on what their likes and dislikes are about the program, and kind of explained the direction that we're going with the rules and the regs and why, and how right, we can right. tailor it. So, to so our basic, basically, you're involving your your students in feedback. Exactly. Yeah. So, Cody, we are, we are running way over time. Um, okay. So um, <laughs> this has been so great. Uh, I, I, I one final question quickly. You know, school, school food is a really tough business and a, and, a, and a very different kind of career than what many of us associate with a CIA degree. Um, you know, so for districts who are considering someone like you or like Ken, a classically trained chef as their next food service director, I mean, what personality traits and career priorities should they be looking for? And, and what kind of, you know, qualities should they avoid? That's a really good question. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a tough one, too. I think adaptability is really important. Um, and being able to chefs that can um, follow guidelines, mm-hmm. not not just go out there and do things that they know they've got to adapt and you know and work in different challenging circumstances and situations. Mm-hmm. They have to be open minded, and they've got to be supportive um, yes. in yeah. in this in this area. Um, they've got to be collaborative, um, and they have to be good listeners. Yeah, and they, yeah. And they need they need to be resourceful. Right. All right. those things are really important, and um, you know we've got to bring it every day in right. order to pull not only from our education but our work experience and what's out there in the market and how we can be the buffer for what takes place mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in in mass 
production foods and 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 just just they need to be able to be good communicators and know how to set up a program and and follow it through um, getting everybody on board and be, being right. collaborative. Right. So, so definitely the opposite of a, uh, ma- a white tablecloth uh, restaurant tyrant, right? <laughs> ah. yeah. So, Cody, it's been great having you on today. Thank you so much for joining the show. Um, you've been listening to Inside School Food, a special pre-Thanksgiving good real food episode that I hope has got you excited to hit the kitchen later this week. I'm Laura Stanley, wishing you all a delicious and healthy holiday feast. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 